the Buddha established his teaching around the practice of the Eightfold Path. And as he said a number of times, right view comes first. Samaditi. There's various different ways that can be considered, reflected on. Right view in terms of uh, adopting the, the ideas, principles of Buddha Dhamma as found in the Tipitaka. Seeing through the lens of the Four Noble Truths. Or even more immediately, more directly, it's an attuning of the heart to how it is in this moment, this life, this body, this mind, this living situation. Here it is. Right view is that quality of openness of heart and attuning to the field of experience, free of self-view, free of egotistical habits. And what patterns of conditioning that uh, we experience from being a monastic, being a layperson, being healthy, being sick, being a woman, being a man, older, younger, an old hand, very familiar to Buddhist teachings, or very new, or somewhere in the middle. Right view, I would say, attunement to the present reality is appreciating where we're starting from. This body, it's like this. This mind, this personality, with its thoughts, its language, its memories, its habits of perception, its habits of judgment. It's like this. We start from where we are. Might seem an obvious statement to make. Well, of course we do. Where else could we start from? But so easily we create an imaginary persona, an imaginary me, how I should be. We try to start from where we're not as if we should be some other ideal person, some different personality with a different history, a different background. So we start from where we are. This body, this mind, this personal history, this language, these attitudes, this conditioning, here it is. Uh, the right in right view, the Sama, is, I feel, most accurately represented by the word attuned. View that is in tune with reality, in tune with the natural order. So this involves a letting go of the habits of self-view, investing in my opinion, my conditioning, my thoughts, my feelings as some absolute reality and seeing them as conditioned, seeing them as a product of our own life, our own experience, our own activities, our own choices. 
This conditioning is not absolute. It can't be. So establishing right view, beginning at that point, is setting the intention to know this field of experience as not-self, not completely and wholly who and what we are. It's patterns of conditioning, patterns of nature, arising, taking shape, passing away. And in appreciating that set of conditioning, those patterns of conditioning, just as Ajahn Dhammananda was saying in his, in his Dhamma talk last night, walking on the glaciers, there are certain crevasses, big drops, big cracks in the ice where we can fall down, fall in and not be able to climb out, or climbing out is very difficult. So this means, uh, on a personal level, in terms of, of our Dhamma practice, get to know the areas where we get lost, those crevasses, those big, those big uh, gaps that we fall into. Does the mind easily incline towards complaining, criticizing? Does it incline towards lustful fantasies? Does it incline towards planning the future or nostalgia for the past, resentment for the past, how we've been treated? Where are those crevasses? Where are those, those deep uh, say trenches that we fall into. Getting to know our own character, our own conditioning, atanyuta. This is part of the development of mindfulness, wisdom. Get to know where we get lost, where we trip and fall. not to cultivate self-criticism or anxiety or feeding the sense of, oh, I'm a terrible person, I get so angry, I'm always so critical, or I'm always so lustful, I have so many doubts, I need to get rid of it. We don't investigate that, that conditioning to feed self-view, but rather to see these are well-entrenched, deep habits easy to follow, easy to fall into, getting to know the, the character, atanyuta, knowing your own personality. So, just like on the glacier, the, the flags are put up, the, the warning signs, you know, danger, deep chasm, crevasse ahead. We know when the mind starts to complain, there's a flag. When the mind starts to get lustful, there's a flag. The mind gets drawn into anxiety or doubt, whatever the well-entrenched habits might be. We have flags in place. We know how easily the mind gets drawn in those directions. At the beginning of a retreat period like this, and this is a 
I feel a skillful ground to uh, to be working on. Get to know the former habits and to abandon the ones that are obstructive, difficult, that cause conflict and alienation, suffering for ourselves and others. Just as it says in the Ten Subjects for Frequent Recollection by one who has gone forth, I should strive to abandon my former habits. doesn't mean abandoning the good habits, <laughs> the ones that are wholesome and beneficial, but the ones that are, are destructive, obstructive. The, uh, those crevasses that we fall into and have very painful ongoing results. I should strive to abandon my former habits. Get to know them. Recognize those. This is what we all need to do. To be honest, to be as sincere as we can, recognize this does not lead in a good direction. What happened last time when I followed this? Right. And just as the, uh, the demolition company are clearing away the old habitation, the old hab habits, <laughs> the word habit means a, a place to dwell, a habitation. Also means a, uh, a set of clothing, like a nun's habit or a monk's habit. As we strive to abandon our former habits, our former dwelling places, our former way that we dressed ourselves and Just as the demolition company is clearing away the old habitations of the service yard and the, around the sala right now, as we can hear. Those habits that are obstructive, destructive, we can let them go. Restraining them from arising, not feeding them, not encouraging them to come into being. And if they have arisen, if they've already popped up, there's habits of criticizing and complaining or worrying, fantasizing, planning, reminiscing, whatever it might be. Just like the... Not too difficult to knock down the old sheds and garages. They're gone in a day. So if we recognize this is unwholesome, this is unhelpful, this isn't something useful, it's not me or mine, but if it's followed, then there's a painful result. So abandoning those former habits, letting go of the unwholesome when it's arisen, this is part of skillful effort, sammāvayāmo, effort that is in tune with dhamma, in tune with reality. It's not easy to let go of deeply entrenched habits, for sure. Some of them go on for years and years, decades. But if there's a recognition, this isn't helpful, this isn't beautiful, this doesn't liberate, Know that, feel that, and let that knowing have its effect. Along with letting go of the, the obstructive and destructive 
former habits, then we consciously cultivate bhavana, the wholesome habits, to be awake, to trust in awareness, as Lumpur Sumedho says over and over again. Knowing the, the, the benefit of unselfish attitudes, knowing the benefit of patience, kindness, knowing the benefits of compassion, wakefulness, then let those be strengthened, let them be brought into being, let them be cultivated. Again, not with self-view, taking over the picture, like, I should be more wise, I need to be more compassionate, I need to get more patience. There doesn't need to be any I or me or mine involved at all. Just recognizing if the heart inclines towards kindness, patience, forgiveness, compassion, the result is peacefulness, ease, spaciousness, clarity. It's not a person, it doesn't belong to a person. And when those qualities have arisen, when there is that kindness, patience, spaciousness, let that be maintained. Anurakana means to sustain or retain, maintain in being. Again, it's not an I or me or mine based attitude, but rather this is wholesome, this is noble, this is liberating. Let it be sustained, let it be fed, supported. This brings peace, this brings ease, this brings harmony, this brings liberation. Therefore, let it be maintained. If we trust in awareness, let that quality of wakeful awareness, that vicha dhatu, element of knowing, element of awareness, be cultivated, strengthened, then that's the driving force for the practice. Being awake to what is unwholesome and obstructive, the heart lets go. Being awake to what is beneficial and liberating, the heart naturally strengthens it feeds it, sustains it. There's no I or me or mine involved. No desire to become, to get, to have, to be. No desire to get rid of, to annihilate, to wipe out. We can apply effort, sincere, dedicated, considerable effort in the practice, free of any kind of self-view, of any kind of conceit guided solely by, by mindfulness and wisdom, by this quality of vicha, awakened awareness. Trust in that. See the good results of that in those moments where the heart is awake, aware, attuned. Notice how the unwholesome is dropped. Notice how the, the wholesome, the beneficial, is sustained. Let the, the liberating, pleasant result of that be known. Let that speak for itself. We don't have to say, oh, that's good, I should do more of this. Oh, that's awful, I'm glad I let go. 
It doesn't have to be any eye-making or mind-making. Just let those beneficial, liberating results speak for themselves. When there's a letting go, notice the peacefulness, the ease of the heart free of grasping. When the heart is awake, open, attentive to the present, notice that quality of richness, of ease, spaciousness, simplicity. If we let them speak for themselves, then the practice develops naturally. With great strength, great benefit. <laughs>